Jijinurla, let's start with the Nokar Mantra. Om Namo Arihantanam, Om Namo Sitanam, Om Namo Ayadiyanam, Om Namo Uachayanam, Namo Loesavasahunam, Eso Pancha Namo Karo, Salva Pava Panasano, Mangalalancha Savesi, Paramam Have Mangalam, Paramam Have Mangalam. A while back, we talked about the philosophy of Stoicism and how that fit hand-in-glove with Jainism. Specifically, self-control is the method to overcome destructive emotions. Uh, well, this class has always been focused on applying philosophy to your life to improve the quality of your life. And I realized that we didn't do that that class. So... Today, I'd like to look at some stoic exercises you can do every day to improve the quality of your life. And oh, by the way, you'll see that these are also Jain exercises. Uh, we'll see that mostly in chapter nine of the book, which is the bhavnas or reflections or contemplations. So the first stoic exercise you can do um, and I know we said daily, but this one you actually don't have to do daily because once you do it, you don't have to do it for a while unless you forget it, is to accept your death. Now, I know that most of us have not accepted our own mortality. And I know that because if we had, we would be acting differently. Just like how I can tell you don't really believe you're a soul based on your actions, I can also tell that you haven't really accepted your death because of your actions. And why? Because life is a brief opportunity for Nirdra. If you understood how short life was and how inevitable your death is, then you would use life as a brief opportunity for Nirdra. And by the way, this is bhavna number three, samsar bhavna, or the cycle of birth and death. Um... So when we accept death, a, a number of things change. First of all, we let the little stuff go that we're pretty hung up on in our daily life. Uh, second of all, we actually get to making our will instead of having that something be, uh, we'll just get to it next time when we have time. Uh, you actually get to making your will and making your uh, medical uh, desires known and things like that. And you can definitely tell if, if you don't have that done by now, you definitely haven't accepted death yet. You definitely haven't accepted the fact that you will die. And it's inevitable. And it's, it's hard to think about. Um, it's tough to think about. But, of course, Jainism helps us because we know that death is not the end. We've experienced death many times and we will experience death many times. And also in this class, we know that um, life is all about letting go. And if you view life from the perspective of the end of your life, we realize that the entire life is, of course, preparation for death. The second stoic exercise that you can do to help your daily life is to deprive yourself or limit your desires. That is, the less you want, the easier it is to accept what you enjoy and have. And this, of course, is up, right? Um, so, um, we talk about taking cold showers, fasting, of course, which is very much a part of Jainism. 
eating foods you don't like. We, of course, we tried to serve people the entire Jane Center food they might not like. Um, and guess what? They actually really liked it, if anybody remembers that. Um, so depriving yourself and limiting your desires is another stoic exercise uh, that you can do. The third exercise, the third daily stoic exercise is to reflect on stoic quotes. Of course, this is uh, absolutely what Jainism talks about when we talk about swadhyaya, right? That is, we learn, uh, our time is best spent learning about Jainism um, and learning so we can practice about Jainism um, and really think about what we're learning and how we can apply it to our life. And of course, that's not one particular bhavna, which is chapter nine of the book. Thanks for everybody who just joined us. We're talking about stoic exercises we can do every day. And a lot of them relate to the reflections or the 14 bhavnas that we can do. So here's some stoic quotes. This one is by the philosopher Seneca. Putting things off is the biggest waste of life. It snatches away each day as it comes and denies us the present by promising the future. The greatest obstacle to living is expectancy, which hangs upon tomorrow and loses today. Of course, we've talked many times about expectations in this class and how uh, they are antithetical to your goals. You're arranging what lies in fortune's control and abandoning what lies in yours. What are you looking at? To what goal are you straying? The whole future lies in uncertainty, so you should live immediately. Here's another quote by Marcus Aurelius. Let us prepare our minds as if we'd come to the very end of life. Let us post postpone nothing. Let us balance life's book each day. The one who puts the finishing touches on their life each day is never short on time. And one of the other major Stoic philosophers was Epictetus. And he said, just keep in mind, the more we value things outside our control, the less control we have. And of course, that's one of the major tenets of Stoicism is to divide things into two categories, that which you can control and that which you cannot, and only worry about the things that you can control. Questions or comments so far? Thank you to everybody joining us. We're talking about stoic exercises we can do in our everyday life and how that corresponds to Jainism. Number four, keep a diary. So you want to write out your own thoughts so you can reflect on them. It's hard to reflect on them without um, without having them first, right? So first you have to have the thoughts, but then that might be at a different time when you want to reflect on those thoughts. So it helps to write them down. And if you, if you are diligent about keeping track of your thoughts about Jainism and how Jainism applies to your life, it will be a journey of your spiritual progress. And you can look back and see what you were thinking at a certain time and how your thinking has evolved now. And you don't have to get a journal. You can use your phone. You got your phone on you anyway. Um, and so instead of maybe going on Facebook when you have a spare minute, you can reflect about your thoughts that you wrote down in your phone. 
And maybe you do that before you go on Facebook because it won't take that long. Um, and if you're worried about uh, people seeing a journal or writing it down in a journal, you can look at the secret compartment in your phone. Every phone now has a, a secret folder where you, it's usually password restricted and it's usually somehow uh, never backed up or backed up separately. So it'll be fun for you to see, figure out how to use a secret part of your phone and then write your, your thoughts, your personal thoughts in there. The fifth stoic exercise, of course, uh, is reflect on your life. That is, after you, we, we talked about writing down your thoughts and um, keeping them in a journal, then you have to reflect on it. Um, so reflecting on your life is slightly different from meditation. It's not usually what we do when we meditate. But it's just a, a lot of times we don't think about our life, right? We're too busy living it. Um, and uh, obviously you can overthink your life, and which we don't want to do. But for example, at the end of every day, you can just think about what you did that day and did your actions align with your goals, right? We all have our list of goals that we want to do this half of the year. Did any of your actions align with those goals? Did your actions align with your values? Is there some way you went off the path that day? And as you do that, as you get more comfortable doing that and get in the habit of doing that, you'll find out that well, that will affect tomorrow because you reflected on it. And you may be in the same situation tomorrow, but you'll make a different action because you reflected on your life. The sixth Stoic exercise we can do every day is negative visualization. And this is the probably going to be the most controversial one, but I want to tell you that it's not. Negative visual visualization means you imagine yourself in negative outcomes that are well within the realm of expectancy in your life. For example, you could easily imagine you could get into a car accident. You could easily imagine you have a negative health outcome or a death in the family. You could easily imagine um, different things that different negative scenarios that will happen to you. Um, and you imagine how you'd feel about it. And you'd imagine what you do in that situation. It doesn't mean you're a pessimist. It doesn't mean um, you're engaging in some macabre activity. Um, in fact, negative visualization helps with three things. First, it helps you count your blessings. When you realize all the things, bad things that could happen, you're more appreciative of what you do have. Uh, second, it helps you have a plan. For example, it's easy for me to think that I could have a negative health out outcome in the future. Well, I better have a plan for that, right? Um, it's easy to think that I might be able, somebody might hit me um, and I'll need something. And then I say, oh, I need to renew my AAA membership. Oh, I need to make sure my insurance is up to date. It helps you have a plan. And third, it helps you not succumb to emotions when those inevitable negative outcomes occur. For example, uh, if we plan for a death in the family, which is inevitable, well, we already know what we're going to do. We know about hospitals. We know about funeral homes. We know about that. And if we know about those, then we don't succumb to a feeling of helplessness or uh, succumb to our emotions when that happens. 
So I know that will probably be have some questions or questions or comments about that or anything we talked about. Um, I think people might be hesitant to practice negative visualization, but if you understand the point and where I'm coming from, it, you might want to do that. Okay, very good. The seventh one is um, reflect daily on your emotions. I think this is a little bit like the other one we talked about. At the end of every day, um, not just your actions. Um, oh, so this is how it's different. We talked about did your actions comport with your goals? But now we're just talking about the feelings you experienced that day. For example, many times we don't act on all the feelings that we have. Um, but let's reflect on our feelings and why we had those feelings and whether they're good for us or bad for us, why we didn't did or did not act upon them and what we should do when we have those feelings in the future. The eighth stoic exercise that will help you um, in your daily life is to know your place in the universe. Uh, this helps, of course, fight your ego. Uh, the universe is huge. Uh, oftentimes we forget that we're on a spinning ball of rock um, in a vast universe. And so it helps to picture the uh, entire universe in your mind and work hard on being okay with the very, in a, that you occupy a very small part of the universe and the actions that um, you take are largely inconsequential as when we talk about the fate of the universe, but they're not inconsequential when we talk about your soul. And that's why your action should primarily be to uh, help your soul and not help the universe because the universe is going to be fine. Of course, this is exactly what Bhavna number 10 is, the nature of the cosmos. Um, the universe is very vast. We are very small. We are nothing when compared to the stupendous universe. In it, we are like an atom. We are insignificant. This makes us humble and dissolves our pride. So, um, of course, there's a one-to-one -one correspondence there. And there's quite a few one-to-one -one correspondences between Stoicism and Jainism. Exercise number nine. Imagine the ideal you. That is, you want to become someone. Um, maybe you aren't the person you want to become right now. And there's a gap in there. And so this ha has a lot to do with our goal setting practice. That is, we want to do these things, but we're not doing them now. So how do we get from here to there? That is, how do you get from the person you are to the person you want to become? What changes do you have to make to your life to do that? Uh, a lot of times, um, I remember last time we talked about um, doing a favor to your future self and acting as if your future self was a different person. Well, your future self is your ideal self. It's where you want to be. And what do we have to do to get there is uh, a great thing to reflect on. And that will help help us get to there. And we can never do it. Um, it'll never happen automatically. If you don't set, I know it seems like a lot of work. All of this, of course, is a lot of work. But if you choose one or two and try to do it, you'll see how much value it gets you. And I know it seems like a lot of work to try to be the person who we want to be, but if we leave it up to chance, we're gonna be whoever other people want us to be. 
We're going to be who our boss wants us to be, which is a perfect little worker bee. We're going to be who our family wants us to be, which is perhaps not working on our own soul, but working to produce more for the family. We're going to be all what other people want to be, but we have to decide who we want to be. Okay, number 10 is think about the four virtues of Stoicism. Uh, the four virtues of Stoicism are wisdom, justice, courage, and temperance. And those are subdivided into different categories. So wisdom is good sense, good thinking, quick-wittedness, discretion, and resourcefulness. Justice is piety, honesty, which of course has perfect parallels to Jainism, equity, and fair dealing all of which are easy to find in Jane's scriptures. Courage is divided into endurance, confidence, high-mindedness, cheerfulness, and industriousness. And temperance is divided into good discipline, modesty, and self-control, which, of course, has many parallels with Jainism. Questions or comments about any of that? Okay, great. Um, so we have about 15, so we're on number 11. Don't get distracted by life. We've talked about this many times. Of course, our mindfulness practice is going to help us here. Um, the phone is our biggest distraction. We've talked about that many times. Um, our phone prevents us from living life and staying on, path, on task. And every distraction is robbing you of the little life you have left. So when we combine it with our inevitability of death, when we combine it with our preciousness of life, when we combine it with our life is a brief opportunity for Nirdra, then we realize the true import of distraction, right? For every couple of minutes you're distracted, those were a couple of minutes you did not live your life. You did not work towards your goals. You did not work towards Nirdra. You did not shed any karma. Those were... Those were minutes where somebody else took control of you and made you do what they wanted you to do. Exercise 12, remember that everything is temporary. This, of course, is bhavna number one, transitoriness. It is an ever-changing world. Nothing is stationary and permanent in this world. What gives us pain is not the changing modes, but our insistence that seeing that things of our liking remain permanent. A lot of times we let uh, the small things uh, affect our daily life. Um, but rea in reality, um, there's very few big things we have to worry about. And when we remember that everything is temporary, we remember to worry about the big things. That is, that you are a soul. Exercise 13, practice self-control. Of course, that is samvar, which is the blocking of karma attaching to your soul. First, to exercise self-control, you have to get off the hedonic tre treadmill. That is, you have to get off seeking more and more pleasure as you become desensitized to the pleasure you're already experiencing. That is, for us, it's about not recognizing our quality of life is the greatest that has ever been in existence in human history. Um, and so once we get off the hedonic treadmill, that's the first part. 
And here's the second part. Maybe you're already off. That is saying no to your desires. First, identify your desires. For a lot of us, it's um, food or money or things like that. And you will be amazed how good it feels to say no to something you want. When was the last time that you said no to something you wanted? Can you remember? Let's say you like um, sweets. When was the last time you said no to that? Well, you'll be surprised how good it feels to say no to something you want because we've almost never done it. Um, we sure, yeah, we exercise and we um, say no to things. and But something you really wanted. If when you say no, you have power over the situation. You don't let that thing control you. You realize that you're on the path of not letting your desires control you. And so that's your challenge this week, all right, is to say no to something that you want. Let's say you, your wife really knows that you like something to eat. And she says, oh, should I make this for, for you, for you, for the family this week? Say no. Um, let's say that um, what's another situation where we can say no to something we wanted. Let's say it was a purchase that we wanted to make. Well, just say no and see what happens and see how that makes you feel. And maybe it won't make you feel good. Maybe you're not far enough along the path to where you can recognize that it should make you feel good and it does make you feel good. Maybe it makes you feel bad, but that's still important information to know. So that's your challenge this week. Say no to something that you want. <clears throat> Excuse me. The 14th exercise is to ask yourself daily if certain things are in your control or out of your control. This, of course, is one of the basic tenets of sto stoicism, as we talked about. Um, a lot of people think stoicism is just being emotionless, but that's not true. It's... Um, you can have emotions, but don't have emotions over things you can't control because that's a waste of your life. And first, you have to decide what you have control over and what you don't have control over. And second, you have to direct your energies into the things that you have control over. <clears throat> and the 15th one, the 15th daily stoic exercise you can use to improve the quality of your life is might be the hardest one, is acceptance. That is, we should accept what we can't control. And sometimes we have to bear the fruits of our karma. Sometimes we, don't, we can't or we don't perform enough nirdra to not accept the fruits of our karma. And so by accepting things, you will be amazed at the amount of you, relief you feel when you accept things that are out of your control. A lot of times the media is primed to outrage us over things we have no control over. Um, and in that way, the media controls us. But once you accept what is out of your control, you'll be amazed at the amount of actions you wasted, the amounts of thoughts you wasted on things you have no control over, and the amount of time you've wasted about things that have no, no control over. So... Not only do distractions deprive you of life and prevent you from living the life you want to live, not only distractions, but 
thinking about things you can't control might as well just be a distraction. It may be very important, but you still can't control it. It may ha- it, things may have direct uh, consequences to your life, but that doesn't mean you can control all of them. And so once we learn to accept things that are out of our control, then we will have, there'll be such a relief that you've never experienced before, I bet. So questions about any of the 15 exercises we talked about. When I, um, when I was researching these, I was surprised about how many um, had a great correspondence to Jainism and our 14 bhavnas. Yes, me here. Can you say the word again, stoicism? Uh, what, and can you tell me a little bit about it? I've, I've not heard about that before. Sure, no problem. Stoicism is a philosophy and it was best exemplified in by philosophers such as Marcus Aurelius, uh, Seneca, Epictetus, and they wrote many books on the subject. And Stoicism, uh, the main uh, gist of Stoicism was to work on what you can control and accept what you can't control and do it. it it's kind of an adaptability philosophy. And there's no reason to get too emotional about things, um, especially things not in your control. You either are going to do that, you set the goal and you work toward it, or you're not. There's no reason to get happy or sad or angry or, um, or react to things. That is, it is one of the major proponents of this idea that we're not generally in control of any of the actions that happen to us, but we are in control of our reactions and those reactions will make our life miserable. And so if you control your emotions, you control your quality of life. And so there are quite a a few good books on the subject and they're all free because these guys were all lived in um, a a very long time ago. Um, So, and they're translated books, so they're all free. And I definitely recommend that you look into it because, as we mentioned, Stoicism goes hand in glove with Jainism. Also, Stoicism, like, is a Stoicism like a na- name by a person? Is it a philosopher, or is he a, or something like you know just started and got a name of Stoicism because of the region? How, how what, what is it about? It is the name of the philosophy, and that a lot of these people had similar ideas. So then history has called them Stoics and their philosophy has been called because they were the Stoics. Then their philosophy has been called Stoicism. Other questions or comments. Does anybody have one or two of these that they, that they liked and they'd like to apply to their life? I think number six about imagining negative uh, consequences is definitely an interesting one. Uh, what what I think is, you know, there, there, I mean, obviously there are, there are some pros to it, but if you really want to go down, down that path, you need to be certain that you can pull yourself out of that uh, and doesn't become a downward spiral for you. Right. Because every thought you create can have 
uh, has consequences of it. So, uh, I, you know, like I said, I mean, you know, like imagine the worst case and then hope for the best or stay away from the worst. Could, could have some consequences. There's a thought process, but I, I, I don't know. I, I, I feel it's a dangerous path uh, uh, or dangerous road to go down. Certainly. Uh, and your warning is well taken. I think that um, if you stumble on, on that exercise, then that leads to a kind of a nihilistic attitude where nothing means anything. So why do anything? Um, but yeah, certainly your warning is well taken. Well, we talked about it from the Stoic perspective. So let's talk about it from the Jain perspective. That is, Let's do a refresher on the 14 bhavnas. And now let's see, well, how did they fit in with what we talked about? So we won't go through them all. Um, that is, we won't go in depth through them all. We've already done that. But uh, we could all use a refresher. So the first one is transitoriness. That is, everything is transitory except for your soul. So why wouldn't you direct all of your actions towards your soul and direct so little of your actions towards things that are meaningless like um, <clears throat> like matter and money and things like that. Uh, the second bhavna is helplessness or asharan bhavna. That is, um, there is no refuge. Um, no one is uh, saved from uh, death, nor can we save anybody else from death. We can't save other people from the fruits of their karma, and they can't save us from the fruits of our karma. The next one is samsara bhavna or thinking about the cycle of birth and death and remembering that uh, our kids are souls just like we are. Um, we're trapped in this infinite cycle of birth and death and it appears superficially that we have grown, but unless we have made spiritual progress in this life, we have not grown any and our soul will continue to be in an, uh, uh, trapped in the cycle of life and death. The fourth bhavna is solitariness, that is you're alone, you're born alone, you'll die alone, you suffer alone, and it's like that for everybody. Um, and so concentrate on your own soul and um, and remember that um, you bear the fruits of your own actions. The fifth one is an Anyatva Bhavna or otherness. We're on chapter nine in the book in case anybody wants to follow along. That is, we mistake our own body as ourself. And we think that um, the rise and fall of our body is the rise and fall of ourself. When in fact, that's not true. The yardstick by which you should measure your life is your spiritual progress, not your bodily progress or not your bank account or not your job or not your family. That is, and when we take a yardstick to our spiritual progress, we'll find out how little we've done in this life compared to what we could have. The sixth bhavna is asuchi bhavna or impurity. That is, the soul is corrupted by impure karma and that manifests as impure thoughts and impure actions. The seventh one is ashrav, which is the inflow of karma. We should think about ashrav and we should think about um, how to stop it. Um, the eighth one is samvar. I think I missaid that. I misspoke earlier. I said samvar when I should have said ashrav. The eighth bhavna is samvar. We should think about how to block karma and block ashrav, of course. 
The ninth one is Nirjara. We should think about how to shed karma, how to burn the karma from our soul. The tenth one is the nature of the cosmos. That is, we should reflect on what the universe looks like. That is, um, heavenly world, the middle world where we are, the hellish world, and moksha at the very top, the place we're all trying to get to. The eleventh one, we should. The eleventh thing we should reflect upon is the rarity of enlightenment. That is, how rare that we were born a human. How rare that we were born. We know the truth. We're one of the few people that know the truth and recognize the truth as truth. Because I could say the truth of Jainism to many people, and they would not recognize it as the truth, and therefore they would not comport their actions with that truth. How rare is it that we were born a human? We know the truth, we recognize the truth, and we're in an ability, we have an ability to act on it, to further our spiritual progress. Of course, the king of all karma is monia karma, which is deluding karma. And not only are we subject to it, but most everybody is subject to it, even as a, at a greater extent than we are. And how lucky we are to understand that we are living life in a delusion and we know the way to get out. The twelfth uh, bhavna is dharma bhavna or religion. Oh, there are there are twelve. I thought there were fourteen. What happened here? Oh, there are four extra ones. That's where I made a mistake. So there are twelve bhavnas. Um, there are four auxiliary bhavnas. There are four compassionate bhavna, bhavnas. That is maitri bhavna or universal friendship. Um, of course, we want to practice honesty and compassion. And we want to help other people. And so here's this tension, right? We, I just told you about solitariness and our kids are actually have their own soul. Um, and uh, I told you that we're all responsible for our own soul and you can't be responsible for another people's soul, person's soul. They can't be responsible for your soul. But we have this thing called Maitri Bhavna or universal friendship. Now, isn't that in tension with what we just talked about? Well, not really, because we want preventing suffering is a great way to get rid of our own karma. And that is um, preventing our, the violence we cause is a great way to get to stop our karma from uh, attaching to our soul. And one way to do that is to practice this Maitri Bhavna or be friends with all souls. The second auxiliary Bhavna is Pramod Bhavna or respect for virtue. That is we respect the people that teach us. We respect books. We respect everything um, that shows us the right path. The third auxiliary bhavna is karuna bhavna or a sense of compassion. We want to be compassionate to everybody. And the fourth one is madhyasta bhavna or neutrality. And um, this is a famous one where uh, we, we mentioned that we want to be neutral in our speech. So we don't want to tell the hunter which way the deer went because that means we're responsible for the death of that deer. All right, so that was a kind of a crash course refresher on the 12 bhavnas and the four auxiliary bhavnas. So questions or comments on that? I have a question to me. Which or any of the bhavnas that I didn't catch connects to the Daya bhavna or, or mercy or mercy. Ah, so that would be 
compassion. Karuna bhavna. <clears throat> what, what number is that? That's the third auxiliary bhavna. Okay. All right, so here's a story. It was the rainy season and there were water puddles all around. One bullock cart fully loaded with grass had been stuck in the mud. People all around were giving instructions to the driver of the cart, but he ended up going deeper and deeper into the mud. The bulls were breathing heavily and saliva was dropping out of their mouths. The heart of Swami Dayanand Saraswati, the heart of Saraswati Swami melted at the suffering of the bulls. He immediately took hold of the cart, freed the bulls, and with his physical strength, pulled the cart out of the mud. The driver and the people thanked Saraswati Swami. This was Karuna Bhavna toward the bulls by Saraswati Swami. So in this Bhavna, we reflect on two types of compassion, material compassion and spiritual compassion. So when we see that there are homeless people, poor people, sick people, or people in need, we offer material compassion. But when we see people who are ignorant, have wrong beliefs, and are suffering from internal passions, we have spiritual compassion for those people. And so this is the one you want to you wanna look at. Other questions or comments? Do, do we have a, you have a few minutes for sort of a story? Yeah, that, that let's, I, let's I do it. Would love it. So uh, there was a, it's, you know, the story goes, it was years ago. There was a, a famous town uh, and there was a trader. This trader was known for his honesty. Honest ever. I mean, if somebody have to swear on the honesty, this trader was being sweared on. And uh, what, he, what he did was sold cotton. And you know, if you need so much, I mean, the cotton fabric. So if somebody needs a cotton fabric, this is a guy to go to that, you know, he will not give you a inch or a centimeter less than what you ask for. And you will pay exactly what, what he is worth. I mean, he would not charge you more than what he needs to. He's just doing just enough to, uh, to sell you this, to make his living. It was not for his profit and such. So it was known around the town. It was known in the even the sur surrounding towns that this is the honest guy that we need to go to for a cotton fabric. Uh, in that town, there was a lady. Uh, there was a family, and uh, the lady lady who uh, lived in that town was a stepmother of one of the girl. Uh, the, this lady uh, asked the the stepdaughter. To, to go get a certain amount of fabric from this trader. She gives him money, she just gives him money and says, okay, go get it. And uh, she asked her to get, you know, uh, one meter uh, fabric of color red. And uh, she goes and goes to the trader and she was rushing and she was asked to do it just by the practices. She knew that she had to get it right. She was stressed about it. She goes over there. She says, I need one meter of fabric. He says, okay, uh, you need one meter of fabric. Which color? She said, she didn't remember that color. In all the, all the time, she forgot the color. So she asked for a different color because she did not want to go back because she knew if she goes back, she'll be in a big trouble. 
So she says, you know, green. And he gives her green, exactly one meter. The price was just right. She goes back, her stepmother, and shows her stepmother, look, here's what I got. And she, all of a sudden, she sees the different color and completely uh, gets upset. And she's like, you need to go right now and get it replaced. So she goes back, tells the, the trader, and uh, says, you know, I need red color, not green. Or for that trader, he knows he delivered what he was asked for. He knows that he, she asked for green. She gave her, he gave her green, and now she actually he teared the the material out of the big fabric, so now he doesn't have any use for it. The dilemma is that what and and that you know that girl starts crying. She tells him that you know what, I am going to be punished. I'm going to have this consequences if I don't get it right, and so on and so forth. But he said, you know what, I gave you right. And nobody in, in anybody is going to question him because they know he's honest and, and you know it's honest. He's giving honest. So the question is, what should he do now? Um, and what, what will be his next action? What is your thought? Or what should he do according to you? asking like should he give her an exchange for free or should he charge her was that, was that the question well it's his you're right that's the question i mean you got it and i if i clarify a little bit basically what uh what should he do he honestly did what he did the correct thing now after this what should be his action uh you know, obviously he has two options. He can tell her no. He gave in right. There's nobody else that's going to question him because he's honestly done it. You know he did it honestly. And then the ball, the girl gets beaten up uh, or get in trouble. Or he replaces her. What should he do? But, so I'm assuming she doesn't have extra money, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, she doesn't have extra money. All she's asking for is replacement. I would have to stick to my business rules and say you have to pay for it. Anyone else have a different answer? Sorry, Timur? Does anyone else have a different answer? I could certainly yeah. see where, well, <clears throat> he'd want to replace it for free if he knows that his not doing so will cause more violence. It's, it's related to our bhavnas. The, the answer is sort of related to the bhavnas we, we just talked about. And, uh, uh, and, and both of those bhavnas actually we talked about. All right, at least just to say, okay, uh, now let, let just everybody have to give an answer. Either you go with the honesty 
भावना और दया भावना ओके एंड दोज आर दू भावनाटेड सो वट विल बी योर पेट यू स्टे विद ऑनेस्टी एंड देर इज नथिंग रॉन्ग विद इट एंड देन यू से ओके यू नो वाई आई एम गुना डू दस Well, she also made double trip, right? She immediately went and came back. Well, I'm not certain that. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, no. I'm not certain that it's an honesty question, right? He's not. It's not dishonest to make an exchange. Certainly, he's out. He can't use the meter of green green cloth, so he's out of that money. He's going to lose on the deal. But it's not an honesty question, right? It's not. Um, she. He knows she made a mistake, and nobody's gonna challenge his honesty. Yeah, that, that's a good point. So basically, he's gonna incur loss, right? And he, he's gonna himself have to take on that uh, responsibility. Yeah, so he he's going to incur he, loss for another person's mistake. Exactly, and I'm, he is saying that okay. If if he it's not his mistake, so why should he suffer? All right, Parish, what's your what's your thought? Uh, I I don't think uh, I, I'm curious to see what your response is going to be because I don't think there is a, a right or a wrong answer in this. Uh, But the way you framed it, it looks like there is a answer for it. So I'm curious. I don't think it, there is a right or wrong. Any response uh, from the trader could be justified from any of the partners. I mean, the relevant partners. Yeah, Kaushik, what do you think? Well, uh, I'm. I would. Go with what uh, Chintan said. Uh, you know, show compassion. I mean, you are a big dealer. You know, if you want to man- manage your image and and continue with uh, you know the customer service, things happen. You incur a little loss. Nothing for you as compared to the little boy. I mean, that's just my two cents without knowing what that cost would be, right? But that's my first.
because people can make up stories. So, uh, but it, it, okay. So what I want to get to is I'm, I was with Ashish and then the person who explained me the story and he explained me that in, in our religion. And again, that's, I take his word for it. So you, you all can dig up if you want. He said, one of the main principle or one of the main bhavna that we should, we should have is their bhavna. And you know, you can be as, as good as you want. And this is from karma standpoint. This is not from uh, your trading standpoint. Because, you know, you, you may not even publish that story like people do nowadays. And, and make saying, okay, you know what? I donated so many things during the hurricane or whatever. So I'm becoming, I'm going to get that market value uh, uh, and name and fame. This was not the, the goal here. It was just for himself that does he take Daya Bhavna, Karuna Bhavna, or just saying, okay, I'm honest, I don't have to do anything anymore. And what, according to the person who told me the story, he said, one thing in our religion is, is Daya Bhavna. And a lot of things that happens on Anukampa, Anukampa Dan, as we say. And it's it's a very positive and it is a very huge impact of the Anukampa Dan. And what happens is sometimes, you know, it's, for me, it was hard to switch because, you know, we're in a trading business. You think about trading. You think about the business itself and what's right in business. And it's, you know, when we're doing that, it's, we're doing one thing. But when the things mix up, it, it's a bit difficult. So that's why it was kind of the story stuck to me and say, okay, you know, we need to think about it even in the practical life that there is such thing as uh, Karuna Bhav uh, or Daya Bhav. And it just came back to me as, as you mentioned that, so. That's great. I mean, certainly we're all guilty of compartmentalizing our world where business is business and Jainism is Jainism and my life, my work life is my work life. And on Sundays I think about Jainism, but it's all the same life and it's all the same truth. Thank you very much for sharing that story. I really appreciate that. Um, and thank you everybody for your time this week. And remember your challenge this week is to say no to something you really want. And see how that makes you feel. It might not make you feel good, but we'll report next week. Thank you so much. Thank you, Jai 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 J